Welcome to Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur, Episode 11. I'm Tony Frost, and this is the final episode in our series about King Arthur. In our next series, Holistic History will present a revised military history of Britain from the time it became independent of the Roman Empire in the early 5th century until the fall of the central government in the late 7th century. This last episode on King Arthur will be a bit different. Instead of looking at an issue in history, we are presenting a brief outline of the development of the written versions of the Arthurian legends over the course of the Middle Ages. Our story does not begin in Britain, but in France in the late 12th century. French literature had been dominated by a genre called the Chanson des Gestes, which means songs of heroic deeds. Chansons des Gestes were heroic epics similar to the Iliad. In the second half of the 12th century, these started to fall out of fashion and to be replaced by romances, which emphasized the adventures of individuals. The modern definition of a romance as a love story only dates to the 20th century. Before that, romance had a more general meaning of anything written in a romance language, especially an adventure story. 12th century romance authors used three sources for their stories. Some wrote fictional accounts of real events, some used material from classical legends, and others turned to the legends that had been passed down orally through the ages by their own storytellers. In an earlier episode, we said that King Arthur was said to have been king of all the Britons. In the 5th and 6th centuries, that included the Breton of northwestern France. So Arthurian legends quickly became popular subjects for French romances. The oldest surviving Arthurian romances were written by Chrétien de Troyes between the years 1170 and his death in 1182. He stated that he used Breton sources, and in the case of two of his stories, Clige and Comte de Graal, he stated that earlier written versions existed, but these earlier versions haven't survived. It is in Chrétien's works that we first encounter Lancelot, he is not the same Lancelot that modern audiences are familiar with. In Chrétien's stories, he is listed as only the third greatest of Arthur's knights. And although he rescued Queen Guinevere from a kidnapper, the two characters were not yet lovers. Debates rage over the origin of the character of Lancelot. Breton oral traditions were never written down, while Welsh stories only started to be written over a hundred years after Chrétien's death. Modern scholars are having a difficult time finding the Welsh equivalent of a Breton character known only from French sources. In the romances, Arthur is actually only a minor character. After all, they are adventure stories, and Arthur was not an adventurer. Even in the romances, he was depicted primarily as a military commander or a just king. The emphasis in the romances was on the knights, and Lancelot quickly became the most popular of those knights. His rise in popularity was due to the fact that he rescued Guinevere. Their innocent relationship quickly evolved into a love affair in later versions. Since the Queen could not have been in love with just anyone, Lancelot came to be depicted as the handsomest, bravest, and most valiant of the knights. The Vulgate Cycle was the first attempt to gather different Arthurian tales together into one continuous narrative. It consists of three books that were written between 1210 and 1230. The books follow the same basic continuity, but were clearly written by different people. The most obvious indication is that each contains a different view of Guinevere's relationship with Lancelot. In the book called Lancelot, true love is presented as more important than wedding vows. The death of King Arthur takes the opposite position and condemns adultery. The middle book, The Quest of the Holy Grail, criticizes all physical love and presents celibacy as the ideal. As time went on, the way in which Arthur was depicted in the stories changed. He was often shown as foolish and easily tricked. 
At one point, he even rejected the real Guinevere as an imposter and lived with an imposter for over a year before the ruse was revealed. Depicting Arthur as foolish in this way was probably the result of the changing attitude between the English and the French. Although the romances became international, most continued to be written in France. The numerous wars fought between the French and the English caused attack upon Arthur's character. The authors of the romances had lost sight of the fact that Arthur was a Briton and not English. The fact that the level of literacy was very low and most literate people were aristocrats also affected the nature of the stories. Many of the tales emphasized the idea of winning glory for its own sake. We are used to the idea of knights battling villains, giants, or monsters in order to protect or rescue the innocent. That kind of thing does appear in these tales, but it's downplayed. The most important thing was to gain glory for its own sake, with the knights battling each other, just for bragging rights. The story of Sir Gareth of Orkney is the worst offender. Gareth is Arthur's nephew, a fact he hides from Arthur for no good reason. The plot, such as it is, consists largely of Gareth wandering around, having random encounters, until he decides he has sufficient glory to be worthy to marry the woman he loves. A tournament is held to celebrate the marriage. King Arthur sees Gareth win the tournament and invites him to become one of the Knights of the Round Table. And at this point, Gareth reveals he is the king's nephew. Not only was the story of Gareth popular, it quickly became an important part of medieval versions of the overarching story. Gareth becomes Lancelot's best friend. When Arthur finally decides to act to put an end to the Queen's affair with Lancelot, Gareth is in charge of the men sent to arrest her. They find Lancelot in the Queen's chamber. In the ensuing fight, Lancelot accidentally kills Gareth. This angers Gareth's two brothers, Gawain and Mordred. Gawain goads Arthur into war with Lancelot, and it's while Arthur is preoccupied with this war that Mordred decides to rebel and seize the throne. As we mentioned in an earlier episode, Mordred was originally depicted as Arthur's nephew, not his son. What we didn't mention was that Mordred was not depicted as an out-and-out -out villain. He and Arthur had several disagreements, and Arthur's decision to send Gareth, which led to Gareth's death, was the last straw. The last two significant medieval versions of the Arthurian legends are both attributed to the same man, Sir Thomas Mallory. There are a couple of candidates as to who he was, but most scholars agree that it was the Thomas Mallory who was a veteran soldier and thug who went from being a member of Parliament to a thief and rapist. Not such a big jump, sometimes. This man was in and out of prison eight times between 1451 until his death in 1471. Mallory passed his time in prison by writing Arthurian romances, and eventually he produced eight tales inspired by earlier French romances. He was especially inspired by the Vulgate cycle. Lancelot was his favorite character. Arthur plays a significant role in three stories, but he is never the main character. But even as Mallory was writing, the world was changing. The economy was becoming stronger, and many non-nobles were becoming literate. Stories were being written to appeal to this new audience. For example, the oldest written Robin Hood stories began to appear in the 1450s. In 1476, a merchant named William Caxton established the first printing press in England. According to his own account, he was asked by many people over the years to print a version of the story of King Arthur. And in 1485, he finally complied. In Caxton's day, there was no such thing as copyright. So what he did was to take Mallory's eight stories and edit them together into one continuous narrative, which he called Le Mort to Arthur. Caxton's story has many digressions because it contains the basic plots of 
all eight of Mallory's tales, but it is one story, and most importantly, it is Arthur's story. The Arthurian romances had become part of a wider genre of the Knights Errant. The rise in the level of literacy caused a fundamental change to the entire genre with the idea of glory for its own sake being replaced with fighting evil. Characters like Lancelot were able to survive this transition, but others like Gareth fell by the wayside. Arthur's reputation as an upholder of justice ensured that they stopped being stories set in the Arthurian world and became Arthurian in the sense that the king was now front and center. As time went on, other changes would be made, but these changes were all fit into the basic outline created by Caxton's edit of Mallory's stories. We've nearly come to the end of this episode. It's an episode in which we saw that the earliest written versions of the Arthurian legends were derived from oral traditions and emphasized adventurous knights. As the stories became established in literary traditions, they went through other changes until the late 15th century when the rise of the literacy shifted the emphasis away from glory and onto fighting evil, which entailed establishing Arthur as the main character. I hope you have enjoyed this final episode of Holistic History's Quest for King Arthur, and I hope you will join us for our next series on the military history of Britain from the 5th to the 7th centuries. Until then, this is Tony Frost saying goodbye and hoping you stay safe.